Well, good morning. My name is Carrie Schuliger, and I'm grateful to be worshiping with you again this morning. It's a joy to be invited back and see some familiar faces. For those I have not yet met, I live in North Vancouver and spend most of my days meeting with people in the practice of spiritual direction and some of my days preaching. So can I be honest with you as we begin? The last time I preached, I felt a bit of shame after my sermon. It actually wasn't my best work. I do love your community and brought the best I could, and it was fine. But my sermon felt a bit less than. Worse than that, I felt a bit less than. Preaching a meh sermon is a trigger for me. Not being enough, not smart enough, not eloquent enough, not powerful enough. And Jesus knows these deep trenches of shame that I can fall into and how it can make me want to run and hide. In fact, as I recall, after that last sermon here, I had to repark my car because I miscalculated the time on the meter. And I never found another spot, so I just went home. I was going to come back and see you, but I was in shame. In our, t in our text today, we meet another woman who is navigating life with her own version of shame. She is hiding in her own way. And you know the story. Jesus waits for her at the well of her shame and initiates a conversation that frees her and sends her on his mission of love. Thank you, Natasha, for reading this remarkable narrative in its entirety this morning. A quick summary of this text through the lens of Christ the King Sunday might go something like, Christ the King humbles himself all the way down to the place of our shame and loves us free of that shame and invites us to join him on his mission of love. This is very good news. Shame is nothing new, and this enemy of our souls has been working to corrupt our relationship with God since the Garden of Eden. The snake in the garden told Eve all that she was not. And God himself sought out Adam and Eve in their shame. And that same God incarnate is seeking out a Samaritan woman in her shame in our text today. The gift to God, the gift of God to Adam and Eve was that they would not be trapped in an eternal life of shame. The gift of God through Christ for the Samaritan woman and for us is a welcome into the eternal life free from the power of shame. So why is this shame stuff so powerful? In his book, The Soul of Shame, Dr. Kurt Thompson writes, shame is not a consequence of something our first parents did in the Garden of Eden. It is the emotional weapon that evil uses to, one, corrupt our relationship with God and each other, and two, disintegrate any and all gifts of vocational vision and creativity. Shame's power is that it disintegrates our relationship with God and our vocation. For the Samaritan woman at the well, I see a trifecta of shame snaking through her life. First of all, she is a woman, and in that culture, a woman at best is subordinate and at worst suspect. In fact, there is a long-standing Jewish prayer that was spoken by male heads of households that goes like this. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who has not created me a woman. Secondly, she is a Samaritan. Our text tells us that Jesus made the decision to leave Judea to go back to Galilee. 
And verse 4 says specifically, now Jesus had to go through Samaria, had to go through Samaria, which is smack dab between Judea and Galilee. But based on a 500-year history of distrust and hatred between Jews and Samaritans, Jewish travelers would go well out of their way and add days to their journey to avoid Samaria. Being a Samaritan was bad news, so strike two, shame on you. Thirdly, she is not properly married. She has had five husbands, and the man she is living with is not her husband. Strike three, she's out. Now, all Samaritan women shared the same shame of the first two strikes, but this third strike, and likely the most painful strike, is the one that keeps her from even enjoying their company. So she hides at high noon, suffering in the heat of the sun's most direct rays. Jesus knows where and when she goes in shame, and he is waiting for her. Shame tells her that she must hide. Jesus goes out of his way to find her. Shame tells her that she will just have to suffer with unquenchable thirst for her life. Jesus offers her a drink from the eternal spring. Shame tells her even if she wants to try to worship in private, she's likely not to get it right. Jesus offers the gift of the Holy Spirit, making her worship questions obsolete and invites her to join his community and mission. This is a remarkable conversation in which the king himself shows one of his beloved daughters who is suffering by her socio-political status and likely her own choices that, one, she is worthy of a holy encounter. She is worthy of love. She is worthy of life eternal. And stunningly, she is worthy of mission and gathers a harvest of believing fellow Samaritans that weekend. The grace and truth of the gospel is that no matter where you come from, where you live, what you've done, or what you've left undone, Jesus seeks you out and in love offers freedom, forgiveness, and the gift of the eternal life of the Holy Spirit. This revelation of God's open invitation to encounter him in love causes my heart to leap. I spring to worship at his bid for connection. So what is the remedy for this evil weapon of shame? Only Jesus wields this powerful weapon. I might call Christ's shame-killing weapon fully known and fully loved. We need to know that we're fully known and still fully loved to be truly freed from shame. In addition to breaking through the shame of being a Samaritan and a woman, Christ tells the Samaritan woman everything she ever did. We know this because verse 28, 28 reads, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Friends, Jesus knows the gluttony, the greed, the fear, the lust, the sloth, the anger, the pride, the deception, and the jealousy. 
the deadly sins that have lured us into activities and thoughts that rightly cause us to hide. Shame is on us all. And Jesus waits patiently for us in our favorite hiding spots. He knows, he knows it. And in that place of shame, he maintains eye contact and quenches our thirst for freedom and love. And if something is coming to mind right now for you, I will give you an opportunity to meet with Christ and encounter his love at the end of my sermon. But his love doesn't end at freeing us from shame. We are seen and known and freed and valued enough to be sent. This is amazing grace. I would think it would be enough to be seen, loved, forgiven, and freed. That'd be enough. I'd be happy to take the last spot in the line to eternal life, to work behind the scenes, to keep my story on the down low. But Jesus knows that there is, a king, that there is kingdom math that says that he or she who's been forgiven much loves much. And this is a kingdom that leads with love and follows a king whose love took him to the cross, scorning its shame. Telling our stories can feel like a death of sorts as we reveal some of our shame. Like Christ, we are invited to scorn that shame and tell our stories to help set others free. Jesus led the way in love. And our encounter with true love frees us to follow without shame our Messiah King, Jesus, who in full knowledge of our deadly sin died so that we would have eternal life. This is our testimony. You are loved, whoever you are, whatever you have done, whatever you have not done. You are freed from shame. Hallelujah. Now, once you are freed from shame, you're invited to join the mission of Jesus by telling your story. The woman at the well is an example for us in this. A commentator, Berg, writes, the woman in search of a well discovers that the spirit could transform her life into a well that continues to spring forth. Our stories, our lives can become wells that spring forth for others. The thirstiest Samaritan woman becomes a well of love and life. She risks public shame and tells her story of freedom to her townspeople. This is her vocation and ours. Although shame will keep us from feeling as though we are good enough, smart enough, knowledgeable enough to tell our stories, it is the work that we are called to in this mission of love. And Jesus' disciples are a step behind the Samaritan woman in this. Notice that sandwiched brilliantly between Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well and the report of many Samaritans who believe Jesus' vocational invitation to his disciples. Watch what's happening. While the Samaritan woman is inviting other Samaritans to, invite, to encounter Christ, Jesus speaks to his disciples about vocation. In verse 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months till harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Jesus says this as the harvest is making their way from a little town called Sychar in Samaria. Samaria. 
This is jaw-dropping. The Samaritan woman tells her story of her encounter with Christ to her townspeople and gathers a harvest. First, verse 39 reads, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Jesus said to his disciples, Open your eyes and look at the fields. The disciples were not expecting these to be the people of this faith-filled harvest. Samaritans were never supposed to belong. And this could not possibly be the harvesting method to tell our stories of freedom from shame, encountering the love of Christ, being freed from shame, then telling our stories is the method. First, I need to take a full swig of this living water. Then I can go and tell my story of freedom and love. And you are invited to join in this same work of God. You will be his missionary of love. And at times, you will have the opportunity to witness what this woman gets to witness, others encountering and responding to that love. But for the joy set before us, let's sit at the wells of this world, tell our stories, and love like Jesus did. I don't know where you are today, hiding in shame, putting on a good face, but avoiding eye contact. Or perhaps you're feeling the freedom of forgiveness and have been quenched by the living water of love with a heart full of amazement and gratitude. I believe that wherever you find yourself today, we need to normalize that we will be in both of these places, sometimes at the same time, over the course of our life until we meet Jesus. Shame storms will hit us by surprise, and it's only the love of Christ that will anchor us. Again, a bit of truth-telling. I have had quite a few minor shame storms writing this sermon, and I've told my husband that I will not preach on shame again. But because he helped me workshop this sermon, he reminded me that Jesus meets me there, sees me, loves me, forgives me, and Jesus even trusts me to join him on the journey. But for the joy of even one person being freed or restored or captured by this invitation of co-vocation with God, I persevered. And come, to the t and come to think of it, I am that one person. So I guess that's enough. In essence, Jesus communicated this to this woman at the well. I see you. I love you. I forgive you. Trust me and let's keep going together. And Jesus has met me at the well of my shame with similar sentiments. He likely has met you at your well. If this morning a place of shame came to mind for you, whether it's a new place or an old familiar one, you need to be freed from again. I'm going to give you a moment right now for you to close your eyes and imagine being with Jesus in that place. Imagine him looking at you with compassion and looking at you with a desire for you to be free. 
if you can, look them in the eyes and hear these words as if Jesus is speaking them directly to you. I see you. I love you. I forgive you. Let's keep going together on this mission of love. Keep your eyes closed for another moment and let that sink in. Amen. Now let's offer freedom and love to those in our community. I invite you to look around. Go ahead. These are your townspeople. Now let's practice speaking these words of freedom and love out loud to each other. Are you ready? I always like a bit of interaction. <laughs> so I'm going to prompt you as you look around. Repeat after me. I see you. I love you. I forgive you. Go with God. Thank you. Pray with me to close. Dear Jesus Christ, our King, thank you for coming in love and rescuing us from shame and death and fueled by the joy of giving us the eternal life. You gave your life so that we could be with you eternally. Now, by the power of your Holy Spirit and for the joy of your mission, help us to tell our stories that others may encounter your love. In your strong name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.